Pastor Xavier Reese explains that everyone is offered the hope of redemption. Jesus directed his promises always to three groups of people. Israel, the church, and the world. You're either born again in the church, or you're a Jew who has rejected his Messiah, or you're in the world lost. <laughs> you fit in one of those three categories this morning. Only the church is saved. <laughs> the others are lost. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It seems that the pursuit of most single young adults is finding their significant other. Well, Pastor Xavier reminds us that in the Lord's eyes, we're all significant, especially those who are part of His church. Today, he takes us back to the book of Revelation as he talks about the Bride of Christ. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and we're going to touch on chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And the message is entitled, Jesus is Coming for His Bride. In our last study, we stated that the Apostle John had a vision of heaven. In chapter 4, we saw John as he views the awesomeness of God's throne and the Father's worship as Creator. In chapter 5, John saw the awesomeness of God's Son who was worshipped as the one worthy to redeem and loosen the seals and open the scroll, the Lamb of God who was slain for us. The four living creatures, the 24 elders, they bowed down, they cast the crowns to his feet, and the angelic myriad of angels worship him because he is worthy. Now notice in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, the attention of John is captured. John has just finished the message to the seven churches, as you know, chapter 2 and 3. Indicative of the close of the church age, he's now in heaven. After these things, metatauta is the third point of division that is given to us in chapter 1, verse 19, where's the table of content. The things he saw, the glorified Christ, the things that are, the church age, 2 and 3, and the things hereafter, metatauta, chapter 4, verse 1. Now notice in verse 1, the apostle John looked and he saw a door open in heaven. The door is often an opportunity that's open, access, entry, and we see this throughout the scriptures. The church is translated into heaven. It's no longer on earth. The word church is not found again. It's only found in chapter 2 and 3, and it's not found again until chapter 22, verse 1 at all. And so here in verse 1, John heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here. The phrase is what's called a simile, not a literal trumpet, but the meaning is that it was, it was clearly understood. Someone says he was fast as lightning. Doesn't mean he's a bull lightning. The understanding is clear. He's fast. That's what it is. Similes are introduced by two words, like and as in the scriptures all the time. And John identifies for us who it is that's speaking to him. Is the same person in chapter 1, verse 10, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who is worthy. Notice the message was, I will show you things which must take place after this. What things? The things that must take place after this, after the church age, the tribulation of great tribulation. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Those three key chapters in those three gospels. Notice the phrase come up here. 
It reminds us of the call and the promise of the church, as we'll see in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. We are caught up to the clouds, to the air, to be with the Lord, and all our loved ones who have gone before us will meet us there. It reminds us of that. Now look at verse 2 of chapter 4 there. Immediately John was caught up in the Spirit. He was transported to heaven by the Spirit, as we've seen. And it's repeated again in chapter 17, verse 3, that he was in the Spirit. He said that already in chapter 1, verse 10. Now this situation that he's in heaven now, after chapter 4 and 5, the first thing we see in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, is that the first seal is opened by Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. The church is in heaven. So in verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 6, it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like a thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he was sat on had a bull. A crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, remember, John saw the Lamb who was worthy to loosen the seals in chapter 5. John heard one of the living creatures, the seraphim. What does he say right here? He says, come and see. The word see is not in there. It says come. All right? So when you look at chapter 6, verse 1 here, he says, come. Usually, people take the command to come as directed to John. But the text does not say that. The address is to the horsemen. This is the first seal broken of the apocalypse. Come to what? To begin the judgments. The voice like a thunder, symbolic of authority, which comes straight from God. The judgment. He calls the horses of the apocalypse forward to begin because the first seal has been broken open. And he goes, one, two, three, four. The judgments of God as the wrath of God precludes the church being here on earth. It is removed from the earth. And yet some will insist that the church will go through the tribulation and great tribulation. Now, the only woman that I find between chapter 6 and chapter 18 is the woman who's pregnant and has a child in Revelation 20. And that's Israel who gives birth to Messiah. Don't insult God's bride. She's a virgin. She's not pregnant. All right? The wife is Israel. She gave birth to Messiah. Chapter 6 to 18 covers the seven-year tribulation and great tribulation. God's wrath and judgment is poured out in the seven seals, in the seven trumpets, in the seven bowls, or the vials, depending on your translation. And that's what it is. And so what we want to do is look at the imminent return of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ can come back at any moment for his bride, just as Jesus taught his disciples. And this should be the burning passion of every believer, looking for his coming. And yet I don't see that passion today in the church. I see much complacency and compromise. I think Mel Gibson's movie, Passion, is a good title. You've heard me speak often about having passion for the Lord. If you have passion for your wife, passion for your husband, you're not looking around. You're caught up with the one you have passion for. The scriptures clearly teach the imminent return of Jesus Christ. This is the proclamation. Listen to the book of Revelation 22, 7, 12, and 20. It's the same. I am coming quickly, suddenly, speedily, any moment. Did you get that? <laughs> the imminent return of Christ is the greatest incentive for holy living. This is purification. 1 John 3, 1 through 4. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, even though it doesn't yet appear. 
When we see him, we shall be exactly as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. My love for him keeps me pure. His coming is the greatest incentive for holy living. Three things will reveal to us the imminent return of Christ for his bride before the seven-year tribulation. We want to look at these. First, the promises of Jesus. Second, the parabolic teaching of Jesus. And then thirdly, the prophetic teaching about Jesus. The promises of Jesus. First of all, he promises disciples, as you know, for his return. In John 14, 1 through 3, is the first mention of the rapture. He says, if you believe in God, believe also in me. And what did he tell them? Stop being afraid. <laughs> he was leaving. I go to prepare a place for you where I am there, you may be also. If it were not so, I would have told you. I will come back to receive you to myself. The promises made by Jesus to his disciples. He comes back to receive them to himself. You must make that distinction. When the church comes back with Jesus, we come back in chapter 19 to set up the kingdom. We come back with him, 2 Thessalonians. When Jesus comes for his church, he comes for us. That's 1 Thessalonians. Receive us to himself. There's a distinction. You must make that distinction. Jesus promised the Jewish nation that he would return again also. You remember as he rode into Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37 to 39, and he wept over Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets. How often I wanted to gather you as a chick gathers her chicks under her wings, a hen. But you would not. So now I leave to you desolate. And you shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He pronounced devastation over the house of Israel. He declared that they would accept him in the future, in the second coming. You remember the brothers of Joseph? They went to Egypt for food. Did they recognize him the first time? When they recognize him? When he revealed himself? The second time. Whoa. Coincidence? I don't think so. After the opening here of the first four seals, we get the response there in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 6. And these men, the kings of the earth, the men, the rich men, and all of them, the free men, all of them, it says, And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. What? Wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of wrath has come, and who is able to stand? It's a day of wrath, the day of judgment. It's not the age of grace. There's a distinction. This is the day of the Lord. Day of gloom, day of darkness, anguish. You cannot confuse it. Men will attempt to hide, but they can't. Men will not be able to stand before the wrath. But notice that even though they know it's the wrath of God and the judgment, they don't repent. Listen, the philosophy that men will repent if it gets bad enough isn't biblical. Men's hearts get hard. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Nothing wrong with the sun, not a different sun. The problem is the heart. The condition. And so Jesus directed his promises always to three groups of people. Israel, the church, and the world. Those are the three categories that you fit in this morning. You're either born again in the church, or you're a Jew who has rejected his Messiah, or you're in the world lost. <laughs> One of the three. The church received them. He will receive his church to himself under the age of grace. The nation of Israel rejected him in his first coming. They will accept him in his second coming. After the period of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. The world hated Jesus at his first coming. 
The world will hate Jesus at his second coming as he comes to set up the kingdom. There you have the three categories. In fact, Paul confirms this as he speaks of the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.32. He says, give no offense either to the Jews, which is Israel, or to the Greeks, which is the Gentiles, or to the church of God. You fit in one of those three categories this morning. Only the church is saved. <laughs> the others are lost. The promise is only as good as the person who makes it, right? There are some people who sometimes say, hey, yeah, I'm going I'm to be by tomorrow, and we'll go out to lunch. I know they'll never show up. And there's some people that say, I'll be out there tomorrow, and I hope they don't. <laughs> but the promise is only as good as the person who makes it, right? Jesus is God. He can't lie. Do you believe the Bible, the whole Bible, what it says, or do you attempt to exclude some of the warnings and promises? Do you think yourself an exception? Do you take what's convenient only, believing what is in line with your thinking and understanding so you have to correct the scriptures to line up with your theology? Because you can't accept the God that would pour out his wrath. Ooh, no, my God's a God of love. Well, that's one side of the coin. Turn it around. Do you make a distinction between Israel and the church? If you don't, you'll interpret prophecy wrong. Do you believe that God is through with Israel? As so many teach today. Listen to me well. The majority of the church today, the majority of Protestant churches, teach that God is through with Israel and that we the church are spiritual Israel. And all the promises of Israel are to us wrong. Totally unbiblical. Israel is a divorced wife of Yahweh who will be reconciled to her. In fact, the tribulation appears to prepare her for her Messiah. Okay? Israel is blind until the fullness of the Gentile comes in, Paul says in Romans 11. The full number of Gentiles before the rapture. The church is not spiritual Israel. The promises of Israel are not to be attributed to the church. So you must distinguish the promises who they're made to. And not simply just claim Mamal. Is the promise to Israel, when you come into Deuteronomy, there's a promise there about the land, 28 and 29. They're for Israel, the blessings and cursings. Now, there may be promises to Israel as well as the church that coincide, fine. But you don't take a promise to Israel and apply it to you. There may be a principle in the New Testament that you can find, and that's fine. But you must make the distinction. There's promises to individuals. There's a promise to the church, but there's promise to individuals, Christians too. Your obedience, your faithfulness, your yielding to the Spirit of God. And there's promises to the unbeliever. If they will repent from their sins and call on the name, they will be saved. The context makes all the difference. And so the promises of Jesus are true and valid regarding His coming. They're valid. Now, the parabolic teaching of Jesus... It's another aspect that allows us to see the imminent return of Christ. Uh, the parabolic teaching serves two purposes, according to Jesus. Uh, the parable of the sower is a good example. In chapter 13, around verse 10 through 15, it reveals truth to those who has been given to them the mysteries of the kingdom. He says there in verse 10 and 12 of chapter 13. To those who have been given, their hearts are open. And they open their hearts to God. It's given to them. Those who are sincere seekers, light is given to them. But in verse 13 through 16 of the same chapter of Matthew 13, those who are cynical, hypocritical, 
Darkness is given to them. What they have is taken away from them. Greater darkness because they're not. In fact, Jesus began to teach in parabolic form because people were saying, oh, this guy, he's just so simple. And Jesus gave the parables to instill curiosity and in attempting to figure out the parable, the truth would hit you right between the eyes and you see yourself as a sinner. But to the cynical, to the hypocrite, to the know-it-all, it would bring greater darkness. This guy's just rattling on. Interesting. Remember the sun? The wax, the clay? What's the problem? Not the sun, the wax or the clay. What's your heart? Wax or clay? Hmm. The word parable, as you know, comes from two words, peril alongside and boldly to throw. So a parable is taking something you do know, putting it next to something you don't know, and by knowing what you do know, you'll know what you don't know. That's what a parable is. A sower went out to sow seed, okay? Everybody understood in those days what a sower was. He sowed seed. Some wayside, the seed doesn't penetrate. Others on stony ground. Others on thorns. Some on good ground. And then he puts the preaching of the gospel next to it. It's the same. Boom. So in knowing what I do know, I put it next to what I don't know, and it just parallels it. You go, wow, that's what it is. The principle of the majority of the parables regarding the return of Jesus deal with eminence, the return of the master, as he warns the servants. Now, I'm going to give you three parables. And they deal really with the Jews and Israel, not for the church, in their context. Yet the principle, listen to me well, the principle is eminence that's taught in these. And it's also taught in the rapture of the church. Because both the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, listen, are said to be a thief in the night. A thief in the night, you never know when he's coming. You understand? And both of them are said to be as a thief in the night. So the principle of eminence is found in both. The rapture and the second coming. The parable of the faithful and evil servant, as you know, in Matthew 24, from verse 45 to 51, the eminence of the master's return. In verse 45 and 46, the faithful servant was doing his master's business. And then the evil servant said in his heart, in verse 48, My master is delaying his coming. That's a bad way to go. And so in verse 50, it says the master's return was eminent. At an hour, he was not aware. You remember thinking your parents were going to be gone for two hours? And they were only gone for one? Uh-oh. Eminence. In chapter 25 of Matthew, verse 1 through 13, you have the parable of the ten virgins, as you're very familiar with that. It's centered on being ready in the eminent coming of the bridegroom for his bride, with his bride, to set up the kingdom. Okay? Matthew 24, 25 is Jewish ground. Keep that in mind. The five foolish virgins had oil in verse 3, or the reverse, either one. Five had and five didn't. Five were foolish, five were wise. Okay? Now, the bridegroom came, it says, at midnight, and those who were ready went into the wedding, and the door was shut. Not ready. There's a lot of people that go to church, but they're not ready. There's a lot of people who say they're Christians, but they're not ready. Am I talking about doing works, deserving it? No, 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 no. I'm talking about being born again by the grace of God and walking with God. That's what I'm talking about. 
In the same chapter, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30, you have the parable of the talents that center on accountability and reward. And again, the principle is eminent, the return of the traveling man from a far country. The servants were all given responsible duties according to their abilities, so there was no unfairness in verse 15. The man did return after a long time, verse 19 tells us. The servants were rewarded for their wise, faithful stewardship. Listen to the words of verse 21 and 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Very personal. On the flip side, you have the wicked and lazy servant who buried his talent in the ground. And he said this, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Verse 25 and 26. You have the faithful servant. You have the lazy, evil servant. One was ready, one was busy about his father's business, the other one was not. The key verses and words of these three parables, just three, center on a certain eminent return. Let me give you some key words. Heart, delaying, will come, not looking, not aware, delayed, all slumbered and slept, bridegroom came, who were ready, door was shut. Watch, know neither the day nor the hour. After a long time, the Lord came. Those are the key words of those parables. That's the focus of the parable. The parabolic teaching of Jesus confirms the promises of his coming. He's coming. And if you don't know the Lord, you'll be left behind. But thirdly, the prophetic teaching about Jesus also teaches the eminence of coming for his bride before the tribulation, great tribulation. His prophetic teaching distinguishes the church from Israel, as we've already said. But remember in Acts chapter 15, verse 13 through 17, where they gathered the church and they didn't know how to handle the Gentiles. They wanted to make them an extension of the Jews. And Peter speaks there and James speaks. And he says, um, now, Jesus is choosing for himself a bride out of the Gentiles, verse 14 says. That's the first thing that's going on. And then he says, and then Jesus will return and after to rebuild the tabernacle of David, Israel. And the prophets agree on this. That's verse 15 and 17. Verse 14, God is choosing a bride of the Gentiles first. Then he'll come back and rebuild Israel. Oh, wow. The prophets agree with the promises of Jesus, with the parabolic teaching. Wow. And so God is allowing blindness in part on Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in in Romans 11, 25 through 27. We've already read Matthew 23, right? 37, 39. You will not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed you comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus rejected Israel. Blindness upon them until he returns. The prophetic teaching of Jesus declares the eminent return of Jesus. Paul speaking to the Corinthians, as you know, the first chapter, verse 7. He says the Corinthians were to be eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Eagerly. You're going to go on vacation with somebody. You've been planning, packing, ready. You call them and say, okay, run away. We'll be there 20 minutes. And you know the kids of the other house are like this. They're, they're, they're just looking. Are you like that about the Lord's coming? 
eagerly with your neck stretched out as Romans 8 says hmm. the Thessalonians were told by Paul the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night 1 Thessalonians 5.2 he's coming for his bride Pastor Xavier Reese encourages us to prepare for the soon and coming wedding and you can request a copy of today's hopeful message from the book of Revelation called Jesus is Coming for His Bride. It's available for just $4 on CD. Make sure you pass along a copy of this encouraging study with those in your church or Bible study. Again, ask for Jesus is Coming for His Bride when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, did you know that you have an invitation to the most incredible wedding ever? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 